You're worthy, Father, for us to lay down our lives for you. Father, you showed us an example that you first laid down your life for us. So, Father, we choose to lay down our lives for you. To worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. And to declare, Father, with our mouths and our lips, Father, that we will serve you all the days of our life. We will do as you ask, Father. We will go where you say to go. Do what you say to do, Father. And Lord, we thank you that you've equipped us to do so. In all the affairs of life, Father, we have victory, and wisdom, and knowledge. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you live big on the inside of us to speak to us, to lead us and guide us in all truth, Father. In every situation, in every circumstance, Father, we see beyond the natural realm. We see the correct course to take, Father, the correct words to speak. Father, your spirit leads us into these things. We choose to yield to your spirit, Father. Father, you always have the perfect thing to say. You always have the perfect thing to do, Father. So, Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to minister to family. Lord, you created the family from before the foundation of the world. It's you who created the family. And Father, we thank you that it's a blessing to have families in the earth that reflects the family, the eternal family we will have someday in heaven. And so, Father, while we're here, while we are here on this earth, we thank you, Father, that we have the wisdom, the grace, Father, the anointing to minister to family members. Father, we thank you that you show us the exact right thing to say in the exact right time. You show us, Father, the exact right thing to do, Father, at the exact right time. That families will be drawn closer together, Father, and have a stronger bond of love. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of the family. We thank you for that, Father. Father, we thank you that strong families are a reflection of your love on the earth and your desire for fellowship, Father, and friendship. We thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for not only our natural family, Father, but we thank you for our church family. Father, people that we care for. Father, people that we allow into our lives, to speak into our lives, Father, to fellowship with. We thank you, Father, for the family of God. Father, we thank you that by demonstration you've showed us your desire for the fellowship that you want with us, both here on the earth, Father, spiritually, and when we arrive in heaven. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. We appreciate family. Amen. Appreciate the family of God. We appreciate our natural family. We appreciate all the good things He's done for us. Amen. And um, I'm I'm thankful that uh, I have a family on this earth. I have a natural family. I have a spiritual family, and I enjoy all of them. Amen. Uh, we're thankful for them. And so let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter six. We'll continue there today. We have been. Um, uh, here teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, you know, I think we're doing pretty good. We got all through chapter five, we're you know, not quite halfway through chapter six, but um, you know, that's moving along pretty well, amen. So, uh, we don't have anywhere to be in particular on Sunday mornings, do we? So, we'll just, uh, we'll just go with the flow, amen. You know, sometimes people get under pressure that they have to get through a certain topic, but you know, I think every verse is anointed in, in the Word of God. Sometimes it's harder to find them, you know, what, what the anointing is if it's so and so begat so and so, you know. Uh, but um, I like just kind of taking my time and going through the Word and seeing what the Lord has for us. But I can't tell you how many times, uh, in fact, it's even today, I was just going back over my notes, and uh, the Lord showed us more things that would be of value to us in the verse we, uh, we kind of finished up with last week. So we'll just cover that real quick, and then we'll move on. But um, the Word of God is anointed, amen? The Word of God is valuable to us, and I would encourage you to develop a strong desire for the Word of God, a strong, de develop a strong desire to read the Word, amen? Yeah. And what I have found in my life, the more that I read the Word, the more that I want to read the Word. Uh, and, um, you know, you end up reading whole books at a, in one sitting of the Bible. I'm not talking about just like Jude, you know, like one chapter. I'm talking about, you know, like all, all of Matthew or all of Mark in one sitting. Uh, and um, uh, because you, I just love the Word, amen? Uh, and in the Word, I find... Uh, all of my answers and, and uh, so many of life's difficulties I've come up against. Uh, when, when that difficulty arises, the word also arises and says, here's the answer for that difficulty. And it makes it easy. And it's like, well, then that's, that's a plan. Amen. You just go with the flow and it's a, it's a great plan. Amen. And so we, we are here in, um, uh, in the Lord's Prayer. And of course, we're not going to go back everything again. But uh, we were down in verse uh, 13 where it says, And lead us, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, and so uh, when he said, Lead us not into temptation, we had talked about that some last week. Uh, but we had also mentioned uh, Matthew 26, 41, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. Uh, and he told Peter, he said, watch and pray, that Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, and of course, here he's asking us to, to not lead us into temptation. Uh, and, you know, you, you, when you put all the word, uh, all the counsel of God together, especially with Matthew 26, 41, uh, watch and pray. Other translations says, keep awake and pray that you may not enter temptation. One says, be ever watchful and be ever praying lest you enter a place of testing. Uh, and so one of the things about temptation, of course, we're not going to go back to everything we taught about temptation. We talked about uh, James chapter 1 and how temptations work. Uh, but here Jesus is talking about being aware, watch and pray. And one of the things about temptations oftentimes is we, we put ourselves in a position where we get tempted. Amen. And he says you can live a life where, you, where you're not put in a position to be tempted. Amen. But sometimes you can't help when people bring things into your life. There are plenty of things where, where you, know, you can't avoid that. 
in, a, in a sense, but there are a lot of things that you could avoid, amen? And Jesus said, watch and pray. Be aware. Be aware of your circumstances. Be aware of your, of your situations uh, so that you don't enter into temptation, amen? And yet, how many times people w- will put themselves in a position and then be tempted and then fall, and then it's a vicious cycle, amen? So there's a lot of things that we can do uh, to be aware. You, when I, you know, I've uh, helped uh, teach all my kids how to drive, and I always told them the same thing. I said, I'd ask them a question. What's the number one cause of every accident, every automobile accident that ever was? And, uh, what's that? Distraction. Distraction, right? What, what do I, what's the way we said, Jared? Lack of awareness, right? Which is, you know, being distracted, right? You're not aware. Because if somebody's going to run into you, and you're aware. Now, there are things sometimes you can't help it, right? I mean, we've been rear-ended a couple times, and I saw it coming. There's nothing I could do about it because there's cars in front of me, there's cars beside me, nothing I could do about it, right? The person behind me wasn't aware. And I was aware it was going to happen, amen? Uh, but, uh, but a lot of, a lot of uh, accidents could be 100% avoided if either the, the person uh, that was being hit or the person that was doing the hitting was, being, was aware, Amen. Uh, in fact, we were driving just we, we were driving uh, to, in Chattanooga just yesterday, uh, and just driving along, you know, truck along at 100, 120 miles an hour or something like that, you know, and, and uh, this truck in front of us just slams on his brakes. Now, he's in a fast lane, slams on his brakes, and just pulls over like in a, like like there was something in the road or you know some emergency situation, and it turns out that his toolbox lid had come open. And but but why would you slam on your brakes in a fast lane? You know, there's people behind you. Now, we were like two cars behind him, and everybody's swerving, right? This guy, and, and it's like, yeah, it really wasn't an emergency. I mean, you know, maybe he would have lost, you know, a, a glove or, you know, a, he wouldn't have lost a wrench or anything. He wouldn't have flown up, you know, but uh, he wasn't very aware. He should have been aware of the people behind him, and it slowed down, you know, easily and pulled over. He could have done that in a lot more safer way than, than he did. Of course, we were aware, the people in front of me, and I was aware that he was doing that, so we got out of his way, but we didn't know what the situation was. But a lot of temptation occurs because we're not aware. You know, people have eating disorders and they go and buy, you know, the 26 count of, of uh, Little Debbie snack cakes and, and then they eat them all in one sitting. And they go, why did I do that? Well, because you bought them. Don't buy them next time, right? If you can't, if you can't handle not eating them all, just don't buy them, amen? You go buy, you know, go to the snack bar and buy one of them and then you can still eat the one, I guess, you know, I'm not, your, I'm not your snack god or anything, but you do whatever you want to on that. But, uh, you know, if you can't handle eating the entire box of, uh, uh, of snickerdoodles or whatever it is, then just don't buy them. Be aware. Be aware that you don't have, you know, where you're at in your life, you don't have the ability to, to, uh, to handle that. Amen? And, and it's, it would be very helpful for the church if we would recognize where we are. Not where we should be spiritually, but where, where are we? You know, some people, they could walk by a whole, a whole case of, of little Debbies and not even, not even, you know, do, uh, pause. Some people walk by a whole case of little Debbies and break out in a cold sweat. Now, and you know, if you if you start sweating when you see them, then just don't buy them. Right. Amen. Now, maybe in a year or two, maybe in five years or twenty years, whatever it is, you can walk by them and not tremble, and then that's okay. Then then you can buy maybe a box. Amen. But be aware, be aware of where, where you are spiritually. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of the people around you. Amen. Right. Be aware, just be aware. Amen. Uh, and, and Jesus said, watch and pray. He told Peter that, watch and pray. And of course, what did he do? He immediately fell asleep. That's what Peter did, right? Yeah, I'll, do, I'll watch him. Well, you're not watching. You know, I'm watching your eyelids. Your back of my eyelids is what I'm watching. 
Uh, and so, but what happened to all of them? They all, they all left Jesus, right? See, if they had been aware of that, they would have been aware, hey, you know, this is a real situation here. There's some bad things fixing to happen. I need to be on my spiritual toes. They missed the opportunity. They missed the window to prepare themselves for what was fixing to come. Amen. See, Jesus was, was praying in the garden to prepare himself, what he knew was coming. He told the disciples, you need to be aware, watch and pray, because there's things fixing to happen. Prepare yourself. And they didn't prepare. And then, they, of course, they completely failed. Uh, and and uh, how many times has the Lord encouraged us, be aware, this is fixing to happen. Amen. He's told me things, this is fixing to happen in your life, but you're going to have to walk through it. Well, I don't, I don't want to walk through that. You know, uh, but I'd, I'd rather at least at least prepare myself. You know, uh, and you, you still have to walk through it. Amen. Sometimes you have to walk through some things, but be aware. Amen. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware if you have a problem with certain things. You know, if you can't watch certain TV shows, don't watch certain TV shows. You know, some people are, are so easily um, they're easily swayed by other people's opinions. Well, then don't listen to those people's opinions. Turn off the, the, those opinions. Amen. Don't be around those kind of people. Uh, some people, the, you know, some people, they could, they're, they're strong in themselves, they're strong in the Lord, and it doesn't matter who's around them, they're fine, they're not going to change. Some people are so easily swayed by the company they keep. You know, uh, what, one of the scriptures there in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, uh, I know me and Jerry, uh, uh, this, this scripture has, has, uh, has uh, uh, helped us over the years, but uh, the, the New American Standard Version of 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. Amen. Are you aware? Are you, are you watching your company? Amen. Uh, and I remember uh, years ago we were talking about, we had we'd observed that our pastor had started hanging around this one particular fellow. And we knew this fellow to be someone not of good character, that gossiped, that lied on people, that was not, you know, a, uh, just somebody you don't want to be around. I don't even like being around that person. You, you know, you've been around somebody and you get done being around them and you want to go home and take a shower. It's kind of that thing, right? Just, you just don't, you don't like being around. And, 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 and I thought, and we had a conversation out in my drive. You remember that? Sitting there, I had a, a, a 2000 Dodge Dakota pickup truck. It's red four-door pickup truck, you know. And, and, um, and so we were just, just, just talking and we, we observed this and, and um, said, this is going to be a problem. And it turned out to be a huge problem, a huge problem in his life, in the life of the church. Uh, because bad company corrupts good. Well, you know, nothing wrong with hanging around that person. I mean, Jesus hung around sinners. Well, he was Jesus. He watched and prayed. Amen. But, you know, when, when Peter tried to, dis, to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross, what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, he stood his ground. Other people, you know, uh, they try to keep you from going to your cross. Well, maybe you got a point. Maybe I shouldn't do that. It does sound painful and messy. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. How many people would be dissuaded from doing that? You know, uh, of course, you got the whole thing about men and women, right? And, and, and uh, sexual relations and uh, what are you hanging around? Amen. Uh, what are you putting yourself in? Uh, and, and, you know, even when, when my kids were when dating in, in high school, you know, you can't spend, you can't go to each other. You can't go there to your room. You, if you want to come to the house, it's fine. You got to stay in the living room. You can't go to your room, uh, and no closed doors, and no laying on the couch. No, you know there was rules. Amen. Why? Because watch and pray. Amen. Uh, and and uh, a lot of people they just, they put themselves in positions, and then they and then they fall, 
and then, and then they feel bad about it. Hopefully they feel bad about it if they fall. There's some people that are so callous that it doesn't bother them. But uh, be, be a, the, what the Lord wants us to be aware of today is, is be aware. Be aware of your circumstances. Amen. Watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. Amen. Because sometimes uh, if you're watching, you know it's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. It's coming. So you, that's why you need to pray. Well, Lord, is coming. Then I have to walk through that. And, and that's fine. That's sometimes. But, but sometimes the Lord's going to avoid. He said that we lead just not into temptation. There's plenty of times where he wants to lead you away from that temptation uh, to get you out of that. Amen. To, that you don't even have to deal with it. And, and, and our lives would be much better if we would, if we would heed the, the wisdom of the Spirit of God. Amen? Because He knows exactly where you are spiritually. He'll know that, well, yeah, they'll be fine going through that right there, right? They'll, they just be aware of it, be watchful, pray for you, the strength to go through it. But a lot of times, lead us not into temptation. Just uh, hang, hang a hard right right there and miss the whole thing. And, uh, and sometimes that's just better. Amen? Many times it's better. Uh, you don't need the aggravation of it, amen? And you, don't need to, you sure don't need to, uh, to, to fail in that. Uh, and so there's a lot, a lot you could talk about in, into temptation, but uh, if you remember from James chapter 1, remember the root cause of all temptation is your desire. Amen, not uh, the word, they use lust in James, but lust just means a strong desire. It, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a sexual sin. It could be, right? But it could be Twinkies or, you know, whatever the thing is that you have a hard time with. Avoiding, you know, I love, I love whatever it is, you know. And then people, then they'll say things like, well, I have to have that. Yeah. And then they lie, right? That's not true. You don't have to have that. Is there any, thou shalt have a Twinkie? There's no, there's no book, chapter, verse about Twinkies, is there? A lot that I checked anyway. Yeah. Uh, but people say, well, they'll, they'll, they will uh, excuse their sin by saying they have to do those things. Amen. And what I have found, there's no excuse. There's never an excuse. No excuse that ever work with the Lord. Amen. Uh, as soon as you say you have to, Everything after that is a lie, right? I had to buy that car. No, you didn't. You bought the car. You didn't have to buy the car. There was no law that you had to buy the car. Nobody held a gun to your head that you had to buy the car. You wanted the car, right? Even though it's financially not a wise choice, right? Uh, and, and so, I mean, none of my business. I, but but uh, oftentimes we, we use our words to, f- to put ourselves in a situation where we have no choice. And any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is bad doctrine. Yeah. Amen? Uh, and that's why the whole lie about, you know, people say they were born that way, you know, that you weren't born that way, you made a choice to be that way. Amen? Uh, whatever the way it is. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is not correct doctrine. You, the, whole, the whole creation of humanity is based upon the fundamental principle that we are made in God's image and God's likeness, and God is sovereign in His will. He chooses what He does. You are sovereign in your will. You get to choose what you do. You get to choose what you say. You get to choose what you buy. You get to choose what you eat. You get to choose everything. Amen. If you say, I had to, you, then you're, what you're saying is you didn't have a choice. And that is not correct. Amen. You would, you would help yourself out if you would be honest with your words and say, I wanted to do that. Nobody may be doing I wanted to do that. Amen. Uh, I mean, even if it's, even if it's adultery or, or fornication or something, you know, uh, you can say, well, they, you know, uh, she made me do it. Well, no, I mean, you know, she didn't make you do it. You know, she may have enticed you to do it, but, uh, you know, you signed up for it. And, and uh, I mean, you're kind of like Abraham, right? You know, Abraham, you know, uh, was needing a child and he wasn't having one, you know, the way, he, the way maybe he thought he should. And then uh, Sarah goes, well, well, why don't you sleep with Hagar? 
you know, the young, you know, the young the maiden, right? You know, Sarah was in her 70s or so at this time, you know, and, and Sarah being a good well, why don't you sleep with Hagar? And, and Abraham's like, well, honey, for you. It's not for me, for you. I'll do this for you. Yeah. And, and how many, you know, people have shot themselves in the foot for you? Amen. It wasn't for her. He's like, well, you know, uh, uh, well, maybe God's going to do this way, right? And, you know, he knew it wasn't going to happen that way, but, I mean, it's Hagar. And, and uh, I mean, he's been with Sarah all these years, and now Hagar shows up, and, wow, what an upgrade, right? And so, uh, uh, and how much grief has the world suffered because of Ishmael? I mean, thousands of, and probably millions of people have died because Ishmael, because of Hagar, because uh, Abraham's head for you, honey. Instead of, instead of being watchful and going, you know, something seems wrong with this. You know, it doesn't matter if the wife agrees to it or not. Something seems wrong with this. Amen. And, you know, just because somebody agrees with you doesn't make it right. Amen. Even if your wife or your spouse or your husband tells you that it's right, it doesn't make it right. Amen. It's right if it's right. If, and if it's wrong, if it's wrong, it doesn't matter. What anybody, when, and there's no, you know, I mean, Adam tried it. I mean, the very first human beings on the, on the earth started doing this thing right here, right? Adam, why'd you do that? It's that woman. Eve, why'd you do that? It was the serpent. The serpent, why'd you do that? And he looked around. There's nobody else to point a finger to. So, you know, the Lord didn't even ask him. People have been pointing fingers for, forever. Did, how well did it work out for Adam and Eve to point fingers? Did the Lord still judge them individually for what they did? He didn't say with Adam for what, what the, this woman did. He said, what you did. Amen. Uh, and so... So be, be, uh, be aware, amen? Uh, Jesus said we can pray to not be led into temptation, to be led away from temptation. Uh, but there, but there, sometimes uh, if you know that there's things that you have to deal with, there'll be temptations to get mad, there'll be temptations to do certain things. And uh, some things you do have to walk through, amen? I, I'm not, I can't make a law about it. But uh, if you be watchful and, and pray, see, Jesus told uh, Peter and, and James and John there in the garden, to watch and pray because this is going to happen. You're going to, you're going, you're going to be tempted to leave my side. And they, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do the hard work, uh, the spiritual work to prepare themselves for these things. Amen. Uh, and so sometimes it's difficult work in the sense that it's difficult in your flesh. It's not di- di- difficult for your spirit, but it's difficult for your flesh. I'd rather sleep well, than, than fall, you know, than, than don't make it when, when the tempter comes, then, then you fall by the wayside. Amen. But we can do it. The good news is you can, you can avoid these situations. Many times, just never even have to deal with it. Uh, and that's really a better way than, than uh, having to deal with all the temptation. Amen? Uh, and so be aware of your spiritual life. Be aware of where you are spiritually. Be aware of the things you can handle, things you can't handle. If you can't handle them, just don't get around it. Amen? Be really simple. Uh, if you're someone who's easily swayed by other people's opinions, don't get around people that have that, uh, opinions that, that you don't want to follow because you'll follow them. Amen? Uh, you should hang around people that, I always like to hang around people that are smarter than me uh, and know more than I do. Amen? Uh, that's why I hang around all you all, right? Uh, you all are smarter than me. You all know more than I know. Uh, and so, and I've been that way since uh, when, I, when I first got saved uh, as a teenager, I thought, man, I, know, I don't know anything. I mean, I, I knew nothing. And, and so I like to hang around people that have been around a long time. Amen? Uh, and, and just listen to them. I'd just go in this, they would talk and I would listen. Uh, and uh, that has served me well over the years. And so in the same verse there, after not leading us into temptation, he said, but deliver us from evil. Uh, and uh, a footnote in my, my Bible there says, or the evil one. 
And so, you know, uh, we know uh, Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord del- delivereth him out of how many of them? All of them, right? Is that a true statement? That the Lord will deliver you out of all of them? Now, of course, that, that, that it's a true verse there, but all verses in the Word of God are only valuable to your life if you choose to believe them and, and act them in your life. Amen? These are not just sovereign things that God just does just because He wants to. We have to choose that this, is a, we have to choose that this verse is, is correct and applies to my life, that the Lord will deliver me out of the situation. Not, I just hope so. Because a lot of folks, they'll get to a word like that. Well, I wasn't delivered out of that last thing. Well, the Lord said he would. Yeah, but I wasn't. Well, so is the Lord wrong? Did he, did he just say, well, you know, I mean, many are the afflictions of the righteous out of them all. You know, that's kind of, you know, maybe I didn't really mean all of them. I mean, like, like just the big ones, like the little ones, you know, I don't really have time to deal with all the little ones. But, you know, I, I, the Lord will deliver you out of, out of the big ones. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that, right? But that's the way we live sometimes. Well, you know, Lord. Uh, and uh, you ever know people whose whole, their entire life is just one disaster to the next disaster? It just, you know, some people I know just every day it's like, like, like a hurricane one day. And then the very next day it's like an earthquake. And the next day it's like a tornado. And the next day, you know, the, the moon falls out of the sky. And the next day, the, you know, the car explodes. And the next day the dog eats a cat. And then the cat eats a dog. And, I mean, it's just, it's every day. It's every single day. And they, they just don't believe this verse. Because if, if I started having afflictions that I wasn't being delivered out of, I, I, would, I would go to the Lord and say, Lord, what's up? What, what am I doing wrong that I'm not, I'm not, because I want to live in the, don't you want to live in this verse? Don't you want to live in a situation that no matter what comes your way, that he would deliver you from evil? Didn't Jesus say you could pray that? Well, what if you don't pray that? Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. You know, life, life is hard and then you die. Uh, you know, it's, uh, what's your confession? Amen. I, some people's confessions are the worst. I don't even like being around some people's confessions. Like, wow, I'm just going to stand over here because, you know, lightning scatters a certain amount, you know, of distance and, and earthquakes, you know, it may, if I get too close to that, they'll get sucked into their, into their afflictions. I don't want to be sucked into your afflictions. Uh, I've got plenty to deal with my own that the Lord's going to deliver me from. Amen. So is it, is it true that the Lord will deliver us out of all? But it can only happen if you choose to believe that that's so. Uh, and and I, and I don't I, I never have understood this and maybe the Lord's going to give me some revelation but but I know people who just their the energy of their life is is revolves around drama if there's no drama they'll go kick a dog you know and just start some drama you know they'll go you know knock a bee's nest out of a tree well it's been kind of slow today and they'll go knock a bee's nest out of a tree and just start up stir up something now, you ever notice people like that just stirring things up Man, I like to live in peace, right? To this, uh, and, and if there's something stirred up, uh, you know, I, I ran over a bee's nest one time. It was in the ground, one of those, one of those uh, and, and you, you're on the mower and you look behind you and this big cloud of bees comes up out of the ground and they look at you and they head your way, right? And so you let them go die down. You go get a gallon of gasoline, you pour it down the hole and you, you light a match, right? And, and then the whole ground shakes. It's pretty amazing, right? It's awesome, right? But, uh, but, is it true that the Lord can deliver us from evil? Is it true that he said many are the afflictions of the righteous? Well, why the many of the afflictions of the righteous? Because the world hates you. You know, the whole world hates the church. How, you know, the church specifically, the Christian church. It's not the Muslims or the Buddhists or the Hindus they hate. It's the church. <clears throat> why? Because the church is the only real religion in the whole world. Amen? Now, and so the Jews get, you know, get 
picked on a lot too because they serve the same God as we serve. But the, the afflictions are real. And the more righteous you are, many afflictions are the righteous. Amen. If you live an unrighteous life, well, the devil never bothers me. <laughs> well, maybe you're on his side. I don't know, right? But many of the afflictions are the righteous. If you choose to live a righteous life, there will be afflictions. People will not like you. People will hate you, and, and, and they will try to afflict you. Uh, is that what he says? Many of the afflictions. But he said, the Lord delivereth them out of them all. See, in, in every circumstance that I'm in, uh, even if I don't see the way out, Chris and I, we talk all the time that, you know, I can't wait to see how the Lord's going to get us out of this because I know he will. Uh, and it's always amazing. It's always, you know, supernatural. It's, it's always amazing to watch the Lord work in these circumstances and situations. But you have to believe that if you're going to live this way, you have to believe that this is a true verse. And, and you know, if, if I started having afflictions that I wasn't being delivered from, first thing I would do is I would go to the Lord. I'd say, Lord, where am I missing it? What am I doing wrong? And a and, and hundred times out of a hundred, I'd be like, well, dummy, you said this. You know, you said, well, the Lord delivers me unless he doesn't. You know, your confession that day uh, negated all of your faith for that day. And a lot of times our confessions work against us. You know, we, we'll, we'll, say, we'll say, well, yeah, the Lord delivers a lot of all. We don't really believe it. We say it because by law we're required to say that that's true. But, but at the same time, I go, yeah, you just, you know, just wait. I'll probably hit every red light in town, you know. Uh, and more likely, my car won't even make it. Uh, you know, you just never know. Uh, flu's coming around, I'll probably get it. And they bring the afflictions in their, into their own life. Uh, and, and the Lord's powerless to, to, he can't override your will. If you say that you're the first one to get the flu every year, he'd be like, well, I, I was going to deliver you from that, but your will is overriding my will. And so I am I, constrained in how I can bl uh, bless you. Uh, let's turn over to, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 here, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I like 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's a good, uh, uh, it's a good verse there because uh, it should encourage us. You know, Paul, uh, Paul, of course, Paul wrote these words. Paul, you think Paul uh, had any afflictions in his life? Paul had a lot of afflictions in his life, amen? <clears throat> and so he said here... Uh, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. <clears throat> That's pretty big afflictions. But you didn't know if you were going to make it out alive or not. Well, did he stop there? Well, no, he didn't stop there. He said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. And, you know, the Lord has, has just, this verse 9 uh, this verse 9 has, the Lord has been working on me in this verse for the last several months. And the key there is that we should not trust in ourselves. And the only way you cannot trust in yourself is to have the sentence of death. You know, I think we talked about this verse maybe on a Wednesday night, just not too long ago. But we have in the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. The only way that you'll not trust in yourself and say, Lord, I've got this. I can handle it. See, that's trusting in yourself. It doesn't matter how strong you are, what you know. You should just be like, well, maybe I could. doesn't matter. The Lord's going to handle it for me. That, that's a lot wiser uh, uh, statement to make. Amen? And so you, you have to get to where uh, that you, you know in your own heart that I'm of no value to the Lord. In and of myself. You know, I, I don't bring anything to the table. Everything I do for the Lord, He empowers me to do it. He gives me the wisdom to do it, the strength to do it, uh, the anointing to do it. 
So it's all him anyway. So, uh, and even the gifts and talents, he gave us the gifts and talents, amen? So I'm not really bringing anything to the table other than dirt. Uh, and that's not very impressive, amen? And so uh, uh, I have to decide that, that I don't trust in myself. I only trust in the Lord in every situation. And, 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 you know, you can get to the point where you can live that way if you want to have all the blessings of the Lord, uh, but you have to have the sentence of death in yourself, that to not trust in yourself. Uh, he said, but God which raiseth the dead. And so Paul said, uh, you know, Paul's statement there is basically saying, look, if you kill me, he'll still raise the dead. Then they do that in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 14 when they stoned Paul, left him for dead. And it says the disciples were standing around him. Nobody was praying. They're going, wow, that's, a, that's messed up right there, you know. Uh, uh, what are we going to do now? Paul's dead. Nobody's praying for Paul. They're all like, wow, uh, you know, somebody should do something. And then Paul, the Lord raises Paul up right there, supernaturally, sovereignly, uh, in spite of the lack of prayers of his friends, right? Like, thanks for the help, friends. Uh, and so, uh, but the Lord, did the Lord raise Paul from the dead? Yeah. Stone me, I'll just come back and haunt you, right? Uh, but I'll come back to life, right? amen? Uh, and so, so that was Paul's faith. If you kill me, he'll raise me from the dead. So it doesn't matter. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm not going to go, oh, yeah, you want to stand outside, step outside and say that? Uh, a lot of times uh, people, they, they revert to their natural man, uh, especially men, right? Men are probably more prone to this than women. Uh, you say something to a man, you want to step outside? You know, uh, I had a guy do that. Uh, he was trying to sell me um, smoke alarms. Uh, it came to my house. And I thought, okay, you got to come to your house. Still. It got to be expensive, right? I mean, who, you can buy them for a dollar, right? Unless you get, you know, unless the, the, uh, the, the code guy comes over there, now you got to pay $50 for them, right? And so you, gotta, don't, you don't want the code enforcer to come to your house, right? And so, because then it's $50. For, uh, 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 why do you got to do it that way? Because I'm the code guy. And so, okay, whatever. Uh, so this guy's trying to sell me smoke alarms. And, and I thought, well, you know, he told me about them. Now, look, I'm an engineer, so I, I know he's telling me, you know, he won't tell me exactly how they work, but I could put two to two together because I'm an engineer. I go, okay, well, that's how that works, right? Uh, and uh, it's basically a low temperature melting uh, alloy, right? Like gallium or something that, that, uh, that melts at a low temperature. And then it's a mechanical device. There's no batteries, no electricity. And so, uh, it, it, so it, I mean, it was a good design, except that um, I said, well, how much, uh, how about we just buy one of them? Said, well, how much is one of them? $1,500. $1,500 for a smoke alarm? You know, that's what I said. I said, 1500 This was, you know, 25 years ago, so no telling what they'd be like today. I said, 50, there's no way. He said, you don't love your family enough to buy you one of these? Yeah. And that's what he crossed the line. I see, that's when I thought, you want to stand outside and say that one more time? You know, that flesh just rose up. How, you know, yeah, I don't love my, what's wrong with you, right? Uh, uh, and so, but that's what they do. They, they prey on your, on your emotions, amen? Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, got, it's neither here nor there. I'm not giving you $1,500 just because of that. Uh, and so, but because I have the sentence of death. Now, I didn't threaten him, but I said, this, is, this discussion's over. You know, we're not, we're not playing these mind games and uh, trying to manipulate uh, me to spend a, a, an exorbitant, unreasonable, I mean, that's a sinful amount of money for a smoke alarm. Amen. Uh, I just buy 12 of them and put them in the same room. With, you know, well, what if, what if they're cheap? Well, you buy 12 of them, well, surely one will work, right? Uh, and so, but see, what was Paul's faith? In verse 10, he says, Who delivered us 
from so great a death. So he's telling a testimony of what the Lord has done. Amen. He delivered us. Whatever, the, whatever these things were in the past, he's already done it. So that's my faith. I, I have lived that. I have seen him do that. Uh, and I know he will do it again. And he says right after that, uh, who hath delivered us, he says, and doth deliver. So he said he did it in the past. He said he's doing it right now. And then he says at the end of it, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So Paul's faith was, look, I've got the testimony. I've seen it happen. I know he's doing it right now, and I can guarantee you he'll do it tomorrow. So that should be our faith. Amen. So when, when Jesus said, uh, deliver us from evil, that we pray that, then, then that's what is prayer. Now, a lot of it, if you pray that way, you won't even see the evil. You'll just bypass it and never even come into your life. But there's some things where Paul said here that he was pressed out of measure uh, above strength in so much that he despaired even of life. You know, he didn't know, just naturally looking around, are we going to make it out of here or not? He said, but my testimony is he's done it before. He's going to do it again. So you can't stop. If you stop in verse 8, then you think Paul's not speaking faith. Paul's just speaking, you know, he's just being real. Amen. You ever been real? Just, Lord, you know, I don't see a way out. but I know there's a way out, but I sure don't see a way out. You know, it's not a lack of faith. That's just being real. Amen. But what is your faith? My faith is... He did it yesterday. He's doing it right now. He'll do it tomorrow. Uh, and so uh, in uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, 3, verse 2, it says, And that we may be delivered from unreasonable, unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. You ever had wicked and unreasonable people in your life? You ever had an unreasonable and wicked boss? You know, uh, I've had wicked and unreasonable bosses. Chris has had wicked and unreasonable bosses. And we just say, Lord, you said right there, you'd deliver us from these people. And well, I'm not their judge. You know, they are wicked. I mean, I had a boss tell me, well, good guys finish last. You know, he got mad at me because I wouldn't lie on his behalf to the accounting department about some financial thing. And then, and then, then he proceeded after that to, to try to get me fired. And he said, well, you know, good guys finish last. And I said, no, they don't. And that made him any matter because he was the kind of guy that you don't ever correct him. You know, you don't ever... Uh, but he, he tried to get me to, to, uh, to go down to the accounting department in a staff meeting, right? So you get all, the, all your peers there, and he's the boss. And, and so he tried to pressure you. Hey, you need to go down and tell him that. And I just looked at him in the, in the right in the staff meeting. I'm not going to go lie to anybody. Then I made him mad. Well, I don't care making him mad. I wasn't trying to make him mad. But, you know, when people press you, you've got to stand your ground. Amen. And know that the, the, that the Lord will deliver me from all uh, affliction. Uh, and he did. He was a wicked and unreasonable boss, and the Lord deliver, delivered me from him. And so the Lord, the Lord will deliver us uh, from these things. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we're in 2 Corinthians, turn over just chapter 4 there. You know, Paul, uh, you can find a couple of list, lists like this. Uh, but, uh, and I know we mentioned these verses, but I just love these verses. And so, because these verses show you the, uh, the, the value of living in reality, by faith. And so Paul said here in verse 8, uh, we are troubled on every side. Is that real? There's nothing wrong with saying you're troubled on every side. Some people, I don't have any troubles. Really? What planet do you live on? Uh, you know, some, some people, they, 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 the charismatic world, especially we're so, we're so ingrained to, to never a- admit the life that we're living in right now. And, and so what we do is we deny reality. I don't have any problems. Really? I mean, would you like a list? I, I could see all kinds of problems in your life. Uh, and and uh, I remember one time uh, uh, when I'd run sound, uh, you know, the pastor would have 
certain folks in the church to speak on occasion. And so this one fella, he was having him speak uh, in, in Sunday school, do Sunday school. But, you know, we wired him up and put the microphone on like any other service there. And, and, um, and so I was showing him how to wire up the microphone. And I said, uh, I said, you'll do good. You know, you have to be nervous. He said, I'm not nervous. As his hands were shaking, you know, uh, like a leaf, you know, just, he was just you know, visibly, uh, physically nervous, you know, uh, trembling to, to having to speak in front of everybody. And, and, and I'm like, well, of course you're nervous. You know, it's okay to say, well, I'm nervous, but the Lord will provide. You know, that, that's okay. See, that's what Paul said. I'm troubled on every side, but not distressed. See, he, he can admit reality, but also add faith to it. It doesn't matter what's coming my way. I've got an answer. I've got a way out. He will deliver me from this evil. Amen. Uh, he said, uh, I am perplexed, but I'm not in despair. You know, perplexed, he doesn't know what's going to happen. But he's not giving up. It's like, it's, it, it's, it's all gone. You know, he's perplexed. Like, I don't know this, but let's watch the Lord work. I'm not in despair. The Lord's going to provide. Uh, we, we will find our way out. Amen. You should never get to a point where you're in despair and thinking, uh, I, have, I have no way to get out of this. See, that's not a statement of faith. There's nothing wrong with saying this is a big deal. I have no idea how we're going to overcome this. But what's your faith? But I'm not in despair. Uh, the Lord will provide. Amen. See, that, see uh, the, the, uh, a life of faith is always using your confession to... Uh, in fact, one thing the Lord showed me about faith he said, one of the primary purposes of faith is to cause your circumstances to line up with the Word of God. And a lot of times people use, don't use their faith at all. All they do is, is complain about the current circumstances they're in. This is hard. This is, this is difficult. My life is so hard, and, and uh, I'm never going to make it. Uh, and this person's against me, this person's against me. Well, those all may be real things, but you haven't expressed anything in faith yet. See, faith can cause those circumstances to change to line up with the Word of God, that you are a blessed person. Uh, and we need to use our confession, to, which is an expression of our faith, to cause that to happen. And, and that's what Paul is doing, that we're troubled on every side, but I'm not distressed. I'm not, I'm not, aren't you worried about it, Paul? Not distressed at all. Well, how can you not be distressed? Because I have an answer. I, you know, he's not saying, I like this. I relish these times of trouble on every side. I enjoy that. Some people do. They, they enjoy the drama of this stuff. And, I, I, you know, I think they have medication for that. I don't know, but... Uh, but I, I don't get that at all. Uh, but uh, you ever had trouble on every side? Everywhere you look, there's trouble? Well, Paul said, the, I'm not distressed about it. Uh, perplexed, I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. The Lord's on my side. I, li- I, li- I like that one. Persecuted, but the Lord hasn't forsaken me. He hasn't just left me to this persecution. Cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Always bearing about the body, the, the uh, always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, which is what he was saying in, in uh, chapter 1 about the sentence of death, right? The, 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 the dying of the Lord Jesus. In other words, Jesus, when he's talking about the dying of the Lord, he's not talking about the cross, he's talking about the Garden of Gethsemane here. That Jesus died to what he wanted to do, not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, and so uh, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. So, so Paul, you know, th- those are great statements, amen? Uh, and so we don't have any promise that says that uh, uh, the Lord will, will, never, uh, will never allow any affliction into your life. What we read in Psalm 34, that many of the afflictions are the righteous, right? So there's going to be afflictions in your life. The Lord, because if, if you're doing the work of the Lord, there's going to be afflictions. If you stand up and say, God is good, somebody's not going to like it. You know, they, they asked 
uh, Brother Hagin many years ago to, to talk to Oral Roberts to ask him to quit saying God is good. Well, you know, brother, would you tell him to quit saying that? Quit going around everywhere around the country saying God is good, which just seems like a really odd thing, right? I mean, you'd think that that, that would be a non-controversial thing to say, God is good. And Brother Hagin's like, well, that didn't make it, why would you ask me to do that? You know, because when they say God is good, that, that gives them the wrong impression that God is good. And we don't want that impression because we want people to be fear God, fear that God's going to whop them upside the head and, and they can need to stay in line and, and do the work that we need them to do and condemn them to, to sweep the floors of church and paint the walls of church. That way, you know, if they know that God's going to get them, if they don't paint the walls of church, then, then they're never going to get painted. And so we've got to keep people in condemnation and that way they'll, they'll give and they'll, they'll, they'll do what we need them to do. And, and, and it's like, what's wrong with you all? Amen. Uh, and so that, those were pastors that would tell them that. How many pastors keep people in line by condemning them, telling them, God's, you know, well, God's good, but maybe not today. Uh, just so you just you roll the dice. I don't know. No, God's good all the time. Amen. So there will be afflictions in your life. There will be people who just don't like you. They don't like what you stand for. They don't like what you say. Uh, and, and, and the psalmist said there are many of these things. Amen. The more that you live for the Lord, the more afflictions that will come your way. Uh, and yet, he said, uh, the Lord will deliver us out of them all. Is that true? All. True. All means all, doesn't it? Amen. So it doesn't matter uh, if someone brings you affliction. You think, well, praise God. Lord, let's see what you do with this. Let's see how you get me out of this one. After a while, it becomes almost a game. With, Lord, let's just, I don't see any way, right? I mean, I'd be like Paul. I'm, per- uh, 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 I'm troubled on every side. I'm perplexed. I have no idea how you're going to get me out of this. But I'm not in despair. I know you're going to do it. I, I don't see any way out, but there's a way out. See, I don't, see that's confession is, I, I don't see a way out, but there's a way out. Right? Doubt and unbelief is there's no way out. Really? There's no way out? Have you not met the Lord before? I think there's a way out, amen? Uh, and so, and, and then uh, back to, uh, to Matthew chapter 6 there. Uh, so he finishes up uh, verse 13 there that... Uh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if you remember, uh, how, how did he start uh, this prayer? Uh, he said, uh, after this manner, verse 9, pray, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he started out in verse 9, worshiping the Lord. He ended in verse 13, worshiping the Lord. That's a good way to start your prayer, good way to end your prayers, worshiping the Lord. Amen. Uh, he, he said, um, uh, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the word power there uh, is the Greek word for dunamis, right? It's the supernatural miracle working power of God. For thine is the kingdom and the supernatural miracle working power and the glory forever. Amen. And, and I like how he just kind of tucked in that supernatural aspect of God right in there. And much of the church doesn't believe, even believe in the supernatural, uh, active supernatural aspect of God. It's like God's far, far away, and when we get to heaven, I'll be great. But now and then, you know, I don't really know what he's doing. And, you know, I asked a fellow one time about, uh, you know, he, he went to the uh, first church of doubt and unbelief, and, and he didn't believe anything, right? God doesn't do miracles? No. God doesn't speak to you? No. God doesn't intervene in your natural course of your life? No. Um, God doesn't heal? No. I said, well, uh, you believe that the Holy Spirit's in you when you got saved, right? Oh, yeah. But he's not speaking to you? No. He's not leading you supernaturally? No. He's not showing you things to come? No. I said, so, so what's he doing? 
I mean, it's a good question, right? I mean, it's the, uh, one third of the Godhead is living in you, but he's not doing anything. You ever, ever had somebody move into your house and not do anything? Right? I mean, what they move in? Like everything. I mean, what do they have? Like everything. Is the Holy Spirit small? He's not small. He's big. He comes moving into your house and he's not doing anything? It'd be kind of awkward after a while. It's like, can you do something? You're like everywhere. You're just like, your stuff's everywhere and you're everywhere. Are you going to do anything? Well, no, I was just going to just hang out. Well, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? You know, people's doctrine, it doesn't make any sense. The Spirit of God lives in you. They believe that. But he doesn't speak, doesn't show, doesn't lead, doesn't, doesn't provide any supernatural benefit at all. So why, why is he even there? What, what was the whole point of, of God spending thousands of years of, of completing the plan of redemption and that he puts the Spirit of God in you and then he doesn't do anything? doesn't mean that, that you know, not that you're... I'm not asking him to do anything. You know, no, he, he has nothing to do. Really? That's just, does that make any sense? That doesn't make any sense at all, right? So that's the supernatural, the supernatural miracle work and power of God lives on the inside of you. Amen? For thine is the kingdom and the supernatural miracle work and power of God and the glory forever. So it, it's a good form to start your prayers with worshiping the Lord and end your prayers with worshiping the Lord. Sometimes I start my prayers with worship. All I do is worship Him and I end it with worship. And sometimes just... You know, when I'm walking from here to there, I just tell the Lord, you're, you're big and mighty, Lord. You're the king of the universe. You're the, the great king of the earth. You're the, you're the master of my life. I worship you, Father, because you're worthy, because you died for me. You shed blood for me. I just tell him how wonderful he is. I don't even ask him for things sometimes. I just spend time in telling him how wonderful he is uh, because he is wonderful. Amen. And, and the more that you do that, the more that you want to do that. Uh, and so, so uh, we're, we're about out of time for today, but I, uh, I think we'll just read this next verse there. We may not get through all of it today, uh, but he says in verse 14 to 15, so he finishes the prayer, right? He finishes the Lord's prayer because he says, uh, amen, and you're required by law to end all your prayers with amen, right? The word amen means so be it. Uh, so be it. Everything I just said, so be it, Lord. This is what, this is what it needs to be. Uh, and that's a, I like that word, amen. And, uh, and so... Um, it, it's good to end your prayers with amen. That's why we say amen. So be it. So be everything I just said. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to not, uh, you're not going to leave me in temptation. You're going to deliver from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it. Yeah, and then, so then he continues on uh, in, in teaching, right? So now he's shifted gears uh, from the prayer now uh, to, to teaching. Uh, and he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you give, forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And we had talked about that in verse 12, right? So it's interesting that he talked about forgiveness in verse 12, but he also repeats uh, a discussion about forgiveness in verses 14 and 15. Well, well why is Jesus having to repeat himself? Well, forgiveness is, is one of the biggest problems in the church. Amen. Uh, and and uh, in fact, uh, on Wednesday night, uh, I encourage you to get a copy of the tape from Wednesday or listen to it online. Um, it's, uh, we talked about forgetting those things which lie behind. And part of that big part, part of that is forgiving. Forgiving those that have done things to you. Forgiving things that you've done to other people. Forgiving yourself. Because sometimes people are easy to forgive other people, but they can't forgive themselves. You ever made any mistakes in your life? You know, a lot of people make mistakes and then they take themselves out of the game. They take themselves out of the plan of God. Lord, I'm unworthy to, to be used ever uh, uh, by you again. And, and the Lord's like, I didn't, I didn't make you unworthy. You know, you chose to do this. You know, I didn't tell you to get out of the game. I, I need you. Amen. In that sense, you know, the Lord, 
the, the Lord's got plans for people to do certain things. Amen? And if that person doesn't do that thing, that thing may never get done. Now, sometimes he'll find somebody else to do it, but sometimes it just won't get done. You remember the, in Ezekiel, uh, when he was looking for a, uh, uh, a, an intercessor, and he said he looked for an intercessor, and he said he, could fi- he found none. He said that, that, that the, uh, in fact, maybe it's good to go back to Ezekiel and read that there. Was it Ezekiel, was it Ezekiel 20? Um, and because um, it gives some insight about how the Lord operates here. In Ezekiel 22, he said in verse 30, he said, And I sought for a man among them that should, make, that, uh, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So uh, what was the purpose of the intercessor? Was to, was to uh, pray for the mercy of the Lord so that judgment wouldn't fall because of the sin. And because there's no intercessor, then the judgment was going to fall. The land was going to be destroyed. And, and the Lord's like, I, I wanted somebody to do this job, to, to keep this judgment from falling, because it has to fall unless a man will pray. So you think about how much power that we have that, that the Lord... Sin has to be judged. He's the judge of the earth, right? Sin has to be judged. But he said, but, you know, if a man will ask me not to uh, send judgment, I, I will yield to their request. That's a pretty powerful uh, statement that the Lord's making there. Amen. We saw that with Abraham. We saw that with, with Moses. They both did the same thing. And the Lord said, I couldn't find anybody. You think about that. Nobody could find anybody to do this job. So sometimes there's jobs that yeah, the Lord could find uh, somebody else to do it. Sometimes just a warm body is necessary to do it, but sometimes he needs that person to do it. Uh, and I, I know uh, when we were with my pastor for many years, he, he told us many times, he said, you know, I'm, the ministry I'm called to here to have this uh, word and spirit ministry here in this area, he said, I'm not the first one the Lord asked to have this ministry. He said, was it the third one, Jerry, the fourth one that, uh, that uh, he had asked to do this type of ministry? Uh, it was a third or fourth person uh, uh, and, and the first person, the Lord said, hey, I need you to set up this kind of church. I'll be, I want the Spirit of God to move freely. I want the Word of God to be uh, important there uh, in preeminence in the ministry. That's what I want you to do. No, I don't want to do that, Lord. I just want to be a happy, you know, Christian and just, you know, I don't want, I don't want to do any supernatural things at all. You know, just, just want to give a, a happy sermon and, and go on. I was like, okay, fine. We can go into the next guy. Hey, I need you to set up this ministry and have a church like this. No, Lord, that makes me uncomfortable. Okay, fine. And he went to the third guy. I think the third guy was my pastor. And, and he was just dumb enough going, sounds good to me. You know, and, and I think it was the same thing with Abraham. Abraham was the 20th generation from Adam to Abraham. And, and he went to Abraham and said, Abraham, will you have a covenant with me? And Abraham said, like, sure. You know, he, I mean, I don't have book, chapter, verse for it, but, I, but when we get to heaven, we'll find out. That, and I almost, I put money on it that, the Lord asked every generation, somebody out of every generation, I need a covenant with a, with a man on the earth because i got things to do, but I need a covenant with, with somebody on the earth to do this. Will you have a covenant with me? Like, no, Lord, I just bought a cow. I, I can't do it. I'm busy, Lord. I just, you know, I just, how much work is it? Not, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, what, what do I got to sign up for? No way. I ain't doing that, Lord. You know, uh, uh, my descendants will be like stars of the sky. But I, I don't even want one kid. Much less that many kids. That's a lot of kids, right? That sounds like a lot of work. I mean, a lot of people got to feed. You know, and went to the next generation. 20 generations finally found an Abraham. Somebody, yeah, I'll do that, Lord. Because that's all Abraham had to do was say yes. That's it. Lord said, I'll take care of everything else. Everything, Lord? Yeah. No, I don't know, Lord. That sounds like a lot. I mean, just, 
you know, uh, and and oh, the, uh, and so you know sometimes uh, the Lord the Lord needs us to to do things, Amen. But sometimes we won't forgive ourselves. We'll take ourselves out of the game. We'll do something wrong, say something wrong, you know, or make a mistake, fall. And sometimes it's it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's uh, you're publicly shamed for that. Well, but are you just going to throw your whole life away? You know, the church is really bad that I've seen that when somebody makes a mistake in the church, they'll write their whole life off. You know, write their whole life off. How many denominations, if somebody is divorced, you're of no value to the church? Well, your, your checkbook is valuable to the church. But you, well, you won't take, we'll take your check. We won't take you. Well, you know, that's, you know, your check is you, right? I mean, you're, you've exchanged your life to convert your life, time of, time of your life into money. And now you're giving that money to the church, so you're giving your life to the church, right? I mean, it's not like it's, it's not like just a piece of paper. It's, it's your life. And why is that valuable? But your life is not, you, you can't serve. You've been divorced. I mean, uh, I think it's terrible, right? Now, look, if, if somebody just, you know, if they were wrong in the divorce, you know, there may be certain things you can't do, not because they got divorced, but because they're a terrible person. Amen. Uh, but there's a lot of people that have been divorced that their spouse walks out on them. Spouse cheats on them or something, and they're innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. I'm, nobody's perfect, I know, but uh, there's a lot of people that they're the innocent party in the divorce. And the church says, still says you're of no value to the church. And even if they were the ones wrong, can't they repent? Even if they were the ones who intentionally caused the, 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 the divorce to occur, can't they repent? Can't they say, can't they go to the pastor in private and say, you know, I did this, it was my fault, nobody did this, you know, I did this, but, you know, I've, I've really repented the Lord, and, and um, I just want you to know that, you know, you, you don't have to ask for anything, but, uh, you know, that, that, now look, it's a big, it's a lot different than that than somebody living in sin, right? I mean, it, it, living in open sin, that's a big, that's a lot different, amen? Uh, and, uh, well, you don't, well, I, you know, I, can't, I was late to church because I just robbed the, the filling station, right? And so, okay, well, we can't really use that, right? I mean, so, so it's not like open sin, you know, is a different discussion, right? But, but people have made mistakes in their life, and, and, then, and the church says, we can't use you. Now, the Lord will use them, but the church won't use them. That, to me, that's, that's just like, you know, people have a hard time with, with women ministers. And yet, I know some women ministers, the most anointed people, they've got a, an amazing anointing in their life, who am I to, to judge them? Well, you can't be a minister. What well, the Lord anointed me? Well, he's wrong. I mean, that just seems foolish to me. If the Lord's anointed with an amazing revelation and they're amazing teachers or, 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 or whatever their role is in the body of Christ, if the Lord's anointing them, who am I to say, well, Lord, you're wrong? You know, I, I don't believe that, Lord. I don't believe in women ministers. You know, the Lord does. Uh, and so, so we'll, we'll talk some more about, about, uh, about forgiveness, but, but uh, you've got to learn how to forgive other people, and you've got to learn how to forgive yourself. Uh, it doesn't mean that you've got to ignore what you've done, but see, you know, some people, if you make a mistake, they want to remind you about it every, every so often. Well, you know, you did that. Well, yeah. But they want you to pay for it all the time. Well, you know, you're a terrible person. Well, I know I did that, but, you know, the Lord can forgive, you know, and I've forgiven myself for doing that. Yeah, but I'm not going to forgive you. Well, you know what? I mean, and they, they want... They want a pound of flesh every six months, right? On schedule, right? Uh, you did that. You did that. And then reminds you, you know, oh, you, you sound just like the devil because that's what he does. He reminds me of my mistakes, amen? The Lord doesn't remind you of your mistakes, does he? Uh, we talked about, go get the message from Wednesday night, you know, to see all the scriptures that we used about the Lord forgets all these things, amen? Puts him in the, uh, in the depths of the sea, uh, as far as the east is from the west, amen? Uh, and so, 
So, uh, but forgiveness is, is kind of a big deal. Jesus apparently thinks it's a big deal because he, he talks about it in the prayer and then he talks about it in two verses after the prayer. Uh, and he's, he has a lot to say. And uh, what we'll find out uh, next week, uh, let's see, next week, yeah, we're still here next week, right? It'll be two weeks from uh, Brother Larry's here. But um, uh, unforgiveness, either against other people or even against yourself, is the only thing that Jesus specifically called out as a hindrance to your faith. Uh, and, and that's kind of a big deal, amen? Why, why would he do that? He did that because it's a big deal. He did it because it's a real problem in the church, amen? Just think what a church could be like if everybody would forgive everybody. Even in a local church, you've got people that will still stay at church together, but they'll hate each other as long as they're there. They won't talk to them at all, you know, and they'll sit, you know, far sides of the church and won't even, you know, but they'll still go to the same church together and raise their hands, worship the Lord together, but they just, you know, they despise that guy over there because it was something they did. <laughs> you know, this is, the church should be a good place where we learn how to grow in the Lord, learn how to operate in the things of, of the, the Bible, amen? Learn how to walk in forgiveness because, you know, you're this close to somebody. You know, if you spend enough time with somebody at church over a long period of time, somebody's going to do something that you don't like, amen? And so you get to see uh, uh, how you operate, amen? You know, I was thinking about this for some reason uh, just the other day about uh, how, and, and then we'll go, but, but uh, you know, living as a Christian is not really that hard, right? We do what the Word says, we do what the Spirit of God says, and, and life is easy, amen? It's really not that hard. But, uh, but it's, it's so often that I see people, especially even in the ministry a lot of times, where people want to have great revelation, tell you great revelation, tell you the great wonderful things the Lord has told them, but they treat their kids terrible. And they won't do, they won't act like a Christian when they go home. They won't act like a Christian when they go to the restaurant. They won't act like a Christian's in their business dealings. Uh, and I've always thought that was odd that people want to be in the ministry and be in front of people, but they don't want to live this life. Why don't you want to live this? This is a good life to live. This is the right way to live. Uh, and I had a fellow get mad at me one time. Uh, he, he told my pastor that he wanted to go into the ministry. And so my pastor, uh, were you in there at that particular meeting, Jerry? He may not know what meeting I'm talking about, but he said, well, well, why don't we get some of the men together and we'll just have a conversation, you know, about, about, about this, you know. And so he asked me to be one of the men that would talk to this fellow that wanted to go into the ministry. And so now I'm, I'm just naive. You know, I just think everybody loves the Lord. Everybody's trying to do the best they can. I, just, I assume that everybody here wants to love the Lord and do the best they can. Amen? Now, until you tell me otherwise, that's what I'm going to assume about you because the Bible says believe the best of everybody. Amen? So I'm going to assume all of you love the Lord and trying to do your very best. That's probably not always true, but that, that's the way I'm going to believe it until you tell me otherwise. And so we're in this meeting, and so... You know, they, they go around asking him questions, you know. And, and so they, they said, Chip, you got any questions? I said, yeah. I said, you know, the Bible says, you know, uh, provide things honest inside of all men. I said, I know you, you do like contract work kind of stuff. I said, I said, what's your reputation in town? I said, are you one who always pays their bills and one who always, you know, uh, who always uh, does the work that they say they're going to do? Because that's providing things honest inside of all men. Isn't it? Amen. It didn't say inside of just God, inside of men. Right? So, so I should be able to go to men and say, well, what do, they th what do you think about this fella? And he got so mad. And I found out later, because he's not that kind of guy. He'll start a job and walk off a job. He'll, you know, pay, uh, have somebody do work and we'll pay them. And so, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, I mean, I wasn't trying. It wasn't like a gotcha question. It wasn't like I knew it. I just, 
you know, there's just the, the question. I thought it was a valid question because the Bible says provide things in the sight of all men. If you go to all the people that this church deals with, right, outside the, this ministry and say, does, it, does, does the church pay their bills? And every one of them say, yes, absolutely. And in fact, years ago when we were at the other building, uh, we, we, we paid rent on the building every month, you know, and, and so I get a call. I'm in California. I get a call from the landlord. He said, hey, um, uh, we didn't get a check for this month for you guys. He said, he said, it's not a problem. He said, you guys always pay. So I just, I just thought maybe something happened. I said, well, let me check. And sure enough, for whatever reason, you know, the, the auto, because uh, I set up auto pay, right? If you're going to pay it, just set up auto pay. And so for whatever reason, I said, stop paying it after this month. And, and it must have just been a glitch or just whatever happened. But uh, see, he thought it was odd that we didn't pay. Some, some churches that vendors deal with, they're like, yeah, it's 50-50, they're going to pay. Amen. And that's a shame. That's terrible, right? I know we got some contractors in here that just told, they told me horror stories about, yeah, we don't like doing work for churches. In fact, the guy that, you know, our friend that does, has done all the project in the church here, he was very hesitant the first time we asked him to do the project because he's like, well, you know, churches, it's, they're not very fun to work with. They'll nickel and dime you for everything, and they'll be like, well, you know, this is the Lord's work. You know, you can't charge that much. It's the Lord's work. But that's what you agreed to pay. I mean, if you agree to pay $20 and, and, then, and then it's done, it's like, well, I, don't, I shouldn't have to pay $20 to the Lord's work, but you said you'd pay $20. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and so uh, you know, we need to live this, and, and living this includes forgiving people and forgiving yourself. Let's live the Christian life because it's a wonderful life to live. Amen. It's, a, it's, a, it's the, best, the only life that you can live that you can have fullness of joy. Uh, and so we should learn a little bit about about walking in forgiveness and for other people and for ourselves. Amen. I've seen too many Christians that were valuable, wonderful people that have taken themselves out of the game because of things they've done wrong. Amen. And the church hooks up with that. Yeah, you, you, you're of no value to the church ever again, uh, but please make sure you tithe every week, right? I mean, it's just terrible. Just, it just it sends a the completely wrong message. Amen. If you're no good to me, your money is no good to me. I mean, I just, uh, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't exchange, I can't take your money and tell you you're an invaluable person, amen? Yeah. And so it's it just, uh, we've, got, we've got to figure that Jesus thought it was important enough to, to mention it more than once in the same conversation with the people here, amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you uh, for your word, and Father, we thank you that you would deliver us from all evil. Father, you said many of the afflictions of the righteous, but, but the Lord delivers us out of all of them, Father. And it doesn't matter what they are, uh, you will deliver us, Father. You have done it in the past, you're doing it right now. You will yet do it in the future, Father. That is our faith. We believe it to be so, Father. We have seen it to be so, and we believe your word that it is so. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you all praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. And... Um, uh, we thank him for this, amen. We thank him for his word. I love the word of God, amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's uh, tithes and offerings. And uh, appreciate y'all's faithful giving, amen. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, if I ever deal with people that have uh, significant financial issues in their life, um, you know, I'll, what I always encourage people to do, of course, you know, I'm not trying to get anything out of your pocket, but I always encourage people, always be a giver, Amen. And in every service I can, I'm in, if I, if I can, I, even if it's just a dollar, and I have no problem giving a dollar. You know, I've got more than a dollar to my name, amen? But, um, but I, I always like, just like to give. I always just like to be 
uh, a giver. And, and if you've got serious financial issues in your life, then make a concerted effort to always give something. Uh, give by faith. Because Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. So what you'll find in the Word of God is the, the premise of the financial blessings of the Lord are always based upon your giving. Amen. Uh, and, and that's between you and the Lord, right? He said, as a man uh, desires in his heart, not as, as I pressure you. It's not under me pressuring you, it's but whatever the Lord tells you to do. Uh, if he tells you to give a dollar, just give a dollar. Amen. Uh, and, and what you'll find is if you'll be faithful over that, the Lord will always be faithful in your finances. And so uh, we've seen lots of uh, supernatural uh, opportunities of the Lord in our finances, in our life, and in, in our marriage. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and receive the offering. Don't forget, uh, Jared is graduating in, in less than two weeks, and, and Brother Larry will be with us here in two weeks, and the, the Strawberry Festival will be with us in the, about three weeks, and Mother's Day is in three weeks as well. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we'll have a good time in May. And don't forget, uh, Jerry, where are those uh, green onions you've got? Okay, are you going to bring them in? Or, or? Okay, so you're going to set up a farmer's market out there? And, okay, so. Go out there and get a bag of uh, greens from Jerry and, and um, uh, do whatever you do with it, right? So, all right, we'll be blessed. And don't forget, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And, um, and if anybody hasn't seen him, uh, my grandson is here, so you could say hi to him. And, and uh, he's a doll. He's back in the back there. So, all right, be blessed, and, and you're dismissed.